listening to Church Unplugged, the podcast of Christ Community Chapel. In each episode, we look at questions and topics that are connected to our faith in Jesus and to the way that it plays out in our everyday lives. In this episode, we have a special guest, Scott Sauls, who will be joining us on August 11th to speak at Considering Jesus, which is a great event for you to come to as a Christian and also for you to bring your non-Christian friends to. But Scott joined us to tell us a little bit about himself and share some thoughts on what it looks like to live as a Christian in an increasingly post-Christian culture. It's a really great discussion. Welcome in to Church Unplugged. Welcome into Church Unplugged. I'm Jimmy Cozy, part of the leadership team here at Christ Community Chapel. I've got with me today Stacy DiNardo, who's another member of our leadership team, Zach Wyrock, an additional member of our leadership team. And then we are with Scott Sauls today, who will be here uh, on August 11th for an event we're calling Considering Jesus. This is a great event for you to bring uh, your non-Christian friends to or for you to come to yourself as well to grow in your faith and learning how to uh, live as a Christian. But we're excited to be able to spend some time with Scott. Uh, Scott, would you just kind of start by telling us a little bit about yourself, your background, your current ministry context? Uh, let's get to know you a little bit. Sure. So uh, I'm married to Patty. We'll celebrate our 26th wedding anniversary this August. It'll actually be the day after the event, uh, August the 12th. We have 20, our 26th anniversary. Excited about that. We've got two daughters at Abby's 23, now out of college and working full-time in Atlanta for a nonprofit called Mission to the World. Uh, youngest daughter is Ellie, who will be go- who's going into her sophomore year at Auburn University. So um, that's great. So we have um, uh, we've been in, in ministry, uh, ordained ministry for um, goodness, ever since 1996. So however long that has been. And as I understand it, Zach Eswine was part of your uh, leadership at one point. Is that true? Or is this a different church? What was the name? Zach Eswine. Have you ever had a pastor named Zach Eswine? Okay. So this was another church in Hudson then. But anyway, I, I went to seminary with with a pastor oh. who used to pastor in Hudson. That's uh, very cool. So, yeah. so there you go. Um, he's now back teaching uh, homiletics or preaching at, at Covenant Theological Seminary in St. Louis, cool. where we both attended. But um, yeah, so we have planted a couple of churches uh, in the Midwest, Kansas City and uh, St. Louis, and um, then was uh, you know pastor of both of those churches for a number of years. And then we spent five years in New York City at Redeemer Presbyterian and um, have been in Nashville, Tennessee for the last nine years where I serve as the senior pastor of Christ Presbyterian Church. So I apologize. I'm going to go out of order from what I gave you in the pre-show, but because you just mentioned it, you, you know, you started or you spent time pastoring in New York City and you've pastored in a lot of different contexts. Uh, but most recently you were at Redeemer. And then for the last seven years, you said in Nashville, nine years, you said in Nashville. So can you uh, tell us about your experience going from pastoring in Manhattan and then now to uh, what's really in more like the Bible Belt? Or so it seems. What's this? What are some of the similarities you've seen? What are some of the differences you've seen as you've done ministry in those two contexts? Yeah, well, I do think that um, you know the association of Nashville with the Bible Belt is uh, an old association that's actually not uh, um, really accurate in the current climate and context. We, we actually are a city that uh, is experiencing mass migration from the coasts 
Uh, Amazon just opened its second headquarters uh, in downtown Nashville. Um, you know, we've got state government. We've got, um, you know, we're the, we're the world capital of, of healthcare and, and health research. Uh, major universities uh, like Vanderbilt, Belmont University, which is which is on the rise, as well as Lipscomb University and and over twenty other universities. Um, you know, arts and entertainment, all forms of music uh, are are here. Uh, touring industry is here. There's just so much going on, and uh, we we have between. Uh, the two major counties of metropolitan Nashville, Davidson and William, Williamson County, about 200 new people that move here every day. And uh, so many of them are coming from cities like New York and D.C. and, uh, you know, Seattle and Los Angeles and San Francisco, et cetera. And so Los Angeles Times and New York Times have both re referred to Nashville as the third coast. And so wow. it, it's secularizing. It's um you know, it's becoming more and more and more of a city, not unlike the coastal cities. I, I think that for that reason, there's a lot more similarity than difference in terms of serving, you know, in Nashville as opposed to New York City. Um, I think if you compared Nashville to Kansas City, where we first planted a church, there's a vast difference because yeah. Kansas City, at least when we were there, was a very much of a Bible Belt mindset uh, in ways that Nashville is becoming less and less, uh, you know, a, a city of that mindset. And so um, that's the kind of environment that especially energizes me as a pastor. I find it challenging, um, you know, creatively um, stretching and energizing to be in a city that's becoming more and more secular. I think that actually presents better opportunities for a more authentic and deep Christianity, typically in Bible Belt types of cities. Uh, you get a lot of what they call nominalism, uh, you know, Christian in name only, where everybody goes to church because that's just part of the culture of what people do, as opposed to, uh, you know, the more coastal cities that uh, you're a church because you're an actual convert of Christ who needs Christian community uh, in uh, a climate that isn't necessarily always friendly to or sympathetic to uh, people of faith. And so Nashville is becoming more like that which actually gets us excited about what ministry could look like. And that's, uh, that's really interesting because I think as we've started to experience, even in the Midwest, that mindset, I think is starting to creep in a little yes. bit. Uh, one of the questions I wanted to ask you though, was just uh, staying in that same er subject area, what tips and tricks, or what would you say to Christians when they're thinking about how to live out their faith in Jesus in a culture that seems to be increasingly negative toward Christianity? Mm -hmm. Well, um, you know, it used to be that the evangelism strategy was, was to, you know, take the apologetics route where we felt like our number one task was to convince people uh, of why we believe Christianity is true. Um, now we live in a climate where I think the major opportunity, as well as a major challenge because of narratives that exist in society about what a Christian or an evangelical supposedly is, our greatest challenge now is to, an opportunity is to uh, convince people why, people why we believe Christianity is beautiful. Yeah. Uh, and, and why it is the most compelling among all of the other, you know, philosophical uh, worldview uh, options. And, um, 
you know, so I think personally, the, the, the way to uh, think about presenting Christianity as the beautiful thing that it is, and Christ as the beautiful Savior whom he is, is to, um, to lead with our lives and follow with our message rather than leading with our message and following with our lives to, to um, you know, like Madeline Lingle said, we, we don't, um, we don't convince people to, you know, consider Jesus by telling them how right we are and how wrong they are, but rather by showing them a light that is so lovely that they can't help yeah. but ask what the source of that light is. And so for us, I think today as, as followers of Christ in contemporary Western society, I think that means taking the lead, uh, serving uh, especially those who are, you know, considered to be biblically the least of these, um, you know, the, the poor, the marginalized, the overlooked uh, communities of our cities and, and towns. Uh, I think it also means Christians giving, giving fresh consideration to what it means uh, to witness to the gospel in their workplace, not so much by, again, preaching to our colleagues the gospel as much is by demonstrating a, a life-giving work ethic and, um, you know, being the kinds of people that, that non-Christians want to have as their bosses and supervisors, that non-Christians want to have working for them, that non-Christians want to have working alongside them because of the integrity and kindness and hard work uh, that we bring into the workplace. Uh, and then the third would be just sort of the general public faith dynamic of, of, uh, of living lives that are, um, uh, you know, compellingly uh, characterized by the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Um, it's not hard to become people of influence when those things characterize us, because I, I especially in the climate right now where everybody's you know, turning on everybody else. And it's this climate of outrage, this climate of, you know, canceling and calling out and uh, everybody's kind of on eggshells. And, you know, we all long for what, you know, Ted Lasso, um, you know, represents <laughs> or so true. what Fred Rogers, you know, Miss, Mr. Rogers, who's, you know, becoming popular again, what they represent a, a sort of a sort of rising above the fray yeah. kindness um, to go along with our convictions and and so I think that you know if we can you know to kind of lay on the plane if we could put those three things together um, of being public with our faith in a way that is received as beautiful and life-giving to the non-christians around us if we can enter the workplace and all the, you know, not, not just places where we work, but also the places where we play and, you know, our neighbor, our neighborhoods and so on. And if we can take the lead in our communities as the ancient Christians did in, in taking better care of the poor and the marginalized and the weak in our communities, taking better care than the government does. Uh, I, I, I think that that would be um, a good start. Uh, you know, make people want to ask us what makes us tick rather than, Shoving you know, down their throat or pre yeah. preaching at people without, without uh, sufficiently backing up our message with our lives. Okay. So Scott, with that being said, you 
that's a really well thought out answer. And I think mm-hmm. you model that really well as I listen to your preaching or I, I read your writing. You people listening to this may not know you are a, a pretty prolific writer. Uh, and let me just read some of the book titles, not because you don't know them, Scott, but people listening, because I think they're emblematic of what you're saying. And I wanted to ask you about them. You know, like the one title is uh, Jesus Outside the Lines, A Way Forward for those tired of taking sides. Irresistible faith, be becoming the kind of Christian the world can't resist. Befriend, create belonging in an age of judgment, isolation, and fear. A, a gentle answer, our secret weapon in an age of us against them. You know, just, Scott, one of the things I really appreciate about your preaching and your writing is is your tone and and even the topics that, that you take on in your writing. You know, they're just... Uh, there's something about them that conveys that that you want something good for me and uh, that you have something beautiful yeah. to offer me. And it's just very compelling to me as a, as a reader, as a Christian, as a pastor, and I think to the world at large. Uh, I wonder if you could just talk me through kind of what you think the, I mean, outside of, of course, the regenerating work of Christ right, right. and the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life, you know, where does that that tone and even the topics that interest you, where does that tend to come from? Uh, you know, I, I, I would like to think that it comes from the biblical emphasis on the way that Christ came as a reconciler. Um, you know, first to reconcile a holy God to sinful human beings because he so loved them. You know, Jesus went first in demonstrating, uh, his own teaching on how important it is not only to love our friends, but also our enemies, uh, even praying for those who persecute us and who treat us poorly. Um, you know, that's the extent to which, which our, our energies toward reconciliation and peacemaking, you know, we're called to, to go by, by the Lord. But um, the other is the other piece is just, a, I think a passion that's grown in my life over the years for uh, the kind of um, diverse, uh, inclusive community that, that is pictured for us in especially the New Testament, sort of certainly spoken of in God's covenant to Abraham, that, that you'll be the father of many nations. And of course, is spoken of when, when the Bible pictures the new heaven and the new earth, where there'll be people from every nation, tribe, and tongue surrounding the throne of God or Jesus in the great commission, you know, where he emphasizes Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. Um, you know, Christianity sometimes gets knocked on for being, you know, too exclusive because we say as Jesus did that, that he is the way and the truth and the life and no one comes to the father, but through him. But I think when we do that, oftentimes the uh, radically inclusive uh, message of Christianity gets overlooked. And that is that anyone who calls on the name of the Lord uh uh, will be saved. And, and uh, that includes rich and poor, that includes uh, male and female, that includes, you know, you know, people from America, as well as, you know, Nicaragua or the Middle East or, um, you know, South America or, or, you know, Australia. It's a radically inclusive um, movement. And so, you know, you look in the, the Bible and you see how that's played out where, you know, two political options, Opposites. Matthew, the tax collector, your, 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 you know, classic, you know, ancient liberal or progressive, and 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 then Simon the Zealot, who's your classic ancient, you know, political conservative, and both of them are chosen 
by Christ to, to be in the 12 disciples or the way that Paul begins so many of his letters with grace and peace to you, which is the combination of a, of a Jewish salutation and a Gentile salutation, which is very subversive in that culture. It's like saying, um, you know, blue state and red state yeah. to you from yeah, God, yeah. our father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Right. It was, it was radical. Um, and, you know, the way that Ephesians 2 talks about how dividing walls uh, have been brought down uh, through the gospel and, and through Christ, who is our peace, who's given his life for us. And through that, he's also removed dividing walls between people groups. Um, you know, I, I'm very taken by what uh, D.A. Carson or Donald Carson said uh, when he said that Christians are a band of natural enemies who love one another for Jesus' sake. Uh, mm. In other words, great. people people who are, were unable to even tolerate each other, let alone love each other outside of Christ, suddenly find, you know, this, this growing family dynamic even uh, uh, occurring between them uh, as they learn from one another's perspectives and experiences. And so I think the Bible is just saturated with, with a demand that God's people, uh, you know, seek reconciliation and peace. Um, you know, Luke chapter nine, when the disciples, wanted Jesus to call fire down on the Samaritans and Jesus rebuked them for that uh, and says no we're not going to go around Samaria and we're certainly not going to call fire down on Samaria we're going to go through Samaria and um, then there's a Samaritan woman at the well experience and so on and so there's just so much there that I, I think it can't be it can't be ignored so maybe final question uh, you know we are as I said at the beginning, really excited for you to come and to share at CCC. I'm uh, sure shortly. anyone listening yes. to this podcast knows yeah. why. No. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So maybe as we finish, one last thing would be, can you tell us if you were talking to the average Christian member of our church, why they should come and then why they should bring their friend who doesn't know Jesus to come with them and what you would hope to see happen in their lives? Well, I don't want to put any shoulds on anybody, but I would like to meet you. And I would like to meet uh, your your friends that you would like to introduce to your church and that you would like to introduce to to your God. Um, I, I love personally just being in, you know, new environments and, and getting to know the the people and learning from the people. So, that, so my main reason would be a selfish reason that I'd love to meet as many people as I can from your community. But um, if it's compelling, if the idea of, 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 of presenting to your friends a picture of what a life-giving, compelling picture of Christians living out in the world could be, and, and I, which is, I think, the picture that Jesus gave to us and really wants us to embody, you know, through his light of the world, city on a hill, you know, types of metaphors from the Sermon on the Mount, for example, then, then I hope this will be a really helpful um, you know, gathering to bring your friends into and also to hopefully pick up some inspiration yourself uh, for when you go back out into your, you know, day-to-day, -day, Monday through Saturday life. So, um, so I'd, yeah, I look forward to it personally. Well, we're excited as well. We're excited you're coming to join us. Uh, again, Considering Jesus, August 11th, 6.30 p.m. Uh, Scott Sauls will be here. Scott, thanks for joining us, taking the time to be on this podcast. We look forward to seeing you shortly. Mm -hmm. Look forward to meeting you in person. 
You've been listening to Church Unplugged, the podcast of Christ Community Chapel. In each episode, we're going to look at topics and questions that are related to our faith in Jesus and to the way that it plays out in everyday life. We want your feedback. We want your suggestions. If you've got ideas or questions that you'd like to hear answered on the show, you can email us at churchunplugged at ccchapel.com. We would love to hear from you. Thanks for listening.